We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. What's going on? Welcome back to another episode here of Setting the Pace. I'm your host, Alex Golden, and I'm joined by Mustache Mike, Michael J. Fachi. Fachi, what's going on, brother? Hey, full-on beard. We'll be talking about some beards in specific later in this episode, but I mean, hey, look, Alex, always great to have Jake Fisher on the show. Jake does a great job of, uh, you know, kind of mentioning the what's going on, the whispers around the league, and and he's he's been uh, one of the, the first people to plenty trade news before so always fun to discuss some rumors yeah it was great to have jake on we were supposed to do it last week and then we had to reschedule for this week so it worked out timing wise and we talked about james harden we talked about uh the pacers that have been kind of mentioned in, in trade talks this offseason just to kind of get his feel on what's been going around the league and then talked about some surprise teams that could be uh on the look you know a team to look out for in terms of could they make a move are they going to be quiet buyers quiet sellers that kind of thing but I want to talk with Vachi today before we bring Jake on a little bit about preseason game number four. I think we're all ready for the preseason to be done with and get into actual basketball. That's going to matter. But I think that this Friday game against the Cavaliers is really important because Andrew Nimhard's making his debut for the Pacers in the preseason after going through the kidney stone stuff. And I think just having Nimhard back in the fold is going to be really interesting because we'll get a better idea of what this team is supposed to look like rotation wise, or at least what the first crack of the rotation might look like. So I don't know about you, but I just think Nimhard's presence and return is, is really something to keep an eye on. Oh, it definitely is because we loved what we saw in summer league. I mean, when we saw him in summer league, we said that this guy's way too good yeah. for summer league. Looked like the best player on the court at all times. And it's a drastically different level of competition from summer league to, you know, preseason. Um, this is real NBA talent. And I think that Nimhard's someone that we're expecting to take that leap forward, but also, Pacers have uh, a lot of bodies, you know, this year that that are fighting, you know, 
fighting for playoff, uh, you know, minutes as well. So I was going to say playoff time, but we got we got to get there first. You know, <laughs> fighting for playing time. So yeah. you got Bruce Brown over there. How's that going to work? T.J. McConnell, you know, he's been someone who's played really well in the preseason. So very curious to see with Nemhart back in there, and obviously this isn't a, a regular season game, just to see that type of rotation of where McConnell fits in. And then obviously for Nemhart, you know, we love to see – is he going to be more of a you know distributor? Is he going to be more of a you know looking to be a scorer? Anything of that sort. One game isn't going to tell us all, but I'm really excited to see him back with the team. Yeah, the the rotations are going to be interesting because Coach Carlisle was asked by Scott Agnes at practice yesterday. I guess it should be Wednesday, no Tuesday for everybody listening. It was Tuesday after the game against the um, the Hawks. You know, Daniel Tyus did he not play because he was dealing with an injury? Was it to give the young guys more minutes and? He just said, yeah, I guess right now it was just more of a did not play coach's decision. That was Carlisle's comments on that. And so I thought, okay, that is kind of interesting. We've talked about Daniel Tyson, where he belongs in terms of like the pecking order of the centers. And you can make the case for why he should be the backup. You can make the case why he should be the third string or the fourth string. I think everything is kind of understanding wise, because there are a lot of good young players on this roster that you want to see get minutes like a Jalen Smith, like an Isaiah Jackson. But at the same time, Tyson is just one gold with Germany. I, I just feel like, the style of play the Pacers want to play does not suit the style that Daniel Tice is is best at. So that to me is why I think he might be out of the rotation. It's not a knock on him. It's just like, hey, we're, we're young. We like to run. We want to play a faster pace. And I think he might fit a, a different type of style with a different team. Wouldn't be surprised if we hear other teams that need some center help trying to acquire him at the deadline or something like that. But for, for now, it's a little bit unfortunate, but I love that Daniel Tice is approaching this with such, with such a professionalism, Flachi, where he said, at the end of the day, we're all competing for minutes, but you still got to be friends off the court and be trying to encourage one another while while you're competing for these minutes. Yeah, I mean, look, Tice has been a professional about this all the time. He just simply just did not play right after that. That game after the deadline, that was the last game he played, and, and then that was it. And that's got to be tough, especially for a player – at his point in his career, but we haven't heard the, those rumblings. There's no cryptic messages being put out on social media by him or anything of that sort, like when other players aren't playing as much. So shout out to Daniel Tice for that. I think that the Pacers are in a spot now where Isaiah Jackson's in a pivotal year. You still want to get a good look at him. And then also you're not 100% solidified of who's going to be the backup big. So it feels like Jalen Smith has played well. He does deserve more minutes. You and I have talked. I think through preseason, he's looked like the best option for the backup big. So they're still trying to determine that. And it doesn't mean that Tice overall is just going to be completely out of the rotation because it's not 100% given that Isaiah Jackson's going to be in it. So mm-hmm. we'll wait and see that. I'm very curious for that last preseason game to see, does Tice get in? What does Isaiah Jackson look like? Do we see Jalen Smith have you know more minutes? Do they treat this kind of a little bit more? Or like, a, you know, in between a, a preseason and a regular season game, like not a 100%, you're not running everybody to the max, but taking it a bit more serious than what we just saw in the last preseason game. That's one of the things I got my eye on is, does Jalen Smith run away with the backup job in that final game? I think so. Yeah, I think he will. I mean, based off how he's played so far and the way he's improved and just been so mature about handling things, I think that he will. It wouldn't surprise me if they do, like, go into the first half playing a very, like, this is our 10-man rotation, let's see how this looks, and Mm -hmm. then come the second half, we see a different maybe starting five come out or whatever. I could see them kind of playing minimal minutes, but trying to get get Nimhart as many reps as they can before 
he gets ready for regular season action. But yeah, I think that right now Ben Shepard has been such a, a bright spot during the preseason. Yes. Will he continue to be in that 10-man rotation with Nimhard back, or do they let McConnell play in Shepard's stead? And so then you got a McConnell, Buddy Heald, Aaron Neesmith, Andrew Nimhard, Jalen Smith group. I think that could make some sense just because that's some pretty good veteran play there, some good defense. I kind of like that a little bit. You also have to wonder, does Jairus Walker get into the mix there as that backup four? So that's the big thing here. It's like you got two rookies kind of like maybe in that, final 10 spot but maybe they could be 11 and 12 too if mcconnell comes in there and gets a 10 minute spot so you know it's it's a tough thing to see and i think because we haven't really got to see everyone healthy all together at once this is our first chance to finally see that unless for some reason which you, you never know we could have somebody miss tomorrow night for an injury or when you're listening to this friday night against the Cavs, someone could be like oh you know ankle rest and then all of a sudden Ben Shepard starts for a Bruce Brown who doesn't play in the final preseason game. And it just throws the entire uh, opportunity to see what the rotation could look like. I know. And that that's really tough because you would feel like, Oh, well, Bruce Brown, you know, he's, he's got his role. You know, don't worry about it. No, I want to see Bruce Brown out there with Tyrese and, and, and the rest of the group. And he could make an argument. That there's 12 players that really want to be in that rotation. And you know, that's just not really going to happen. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if it should just come down to one preseason game to see, all right, well, who played really well? But I'll tell you this, if Ben Shepard plays well again, how are you just going to not have him in the rotation? Yeah, I just feel like he's at times caught fire, and I just feel like that three-point shooting is going to be there. Uh, Jarris Walker, I think the game's going to come on. Uh, you mentioned last episode, a couple episodes ago. It is fast right now, and I think that that is understanding for – a big, but also someone that just had one year in college. Mm-hmm. So the, the the reps will be there. I think tonight would, would be a good, you know, extra dose of experience because in game one, he did look really good, but most of the starters weren't out there. So yeah. I'm excited, but I also want to see Tyrese Talbert back with this group because that second quarter, it was magical. 43 mm-hmm. points by the Pacers scored against the Hawks. It looked like everything was clicking. But also I want to see some more Turner. I mean, fouling out in 15 minutes, you know, that's not what anyone wants to see. So I want to see that starting five or, you know, for the starters and buddy and see, is that really that lineup that could continuously be effective or did they just get hot during that stretch against the Hawks? I want to see a little bit more. Yeah. And I I don't think you'll be able to get a a big takeaway either if they do struggle or have a great game against the Cavs. I mean, it's just two games, sample size and preseason. So you can't run away with it too much, but it is something to just be like, okay, uh, we liked that for a little bit. It was against a, NBA basketball team. So we'll see if the Cavs play all their players. I don't know if they've been, uh, they've said if anybody isn't playing or not, but the Cavaliers are going to be a good basketball team in the Eastern Conference this year. And I think almost everybody has the Cavs ahead of the Pacers in terms of where they think they'll finish. So this is a good opportunity for the Pacers to grow in that area. But with that being said, Fachi, let's go ahead and take a quick break. And when we come back, we will be joined by Jake Fisher of Yahoo Sports. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, Pacer fans. Alex Golden here. I wanted to let you know about my new blog, The Blue and Golden. If you enjoy reading articles about the Pacers, then subscribe to my Substack, which is 100% free. You can find the blog at theblueandgolden.substack.com or you can follow the link in the description of this podcast. If you enjoy what you're reading on the Blue and Golden, please share the blog with your family and friends. Thanks for your support of not only this podcast, but my written work that can only be found on theblueandgolden.substack.com. Now, let's get back to the show. All right, everybody, joining us on Setting the Pace. Once again, it is senior NBA reporter from Yahoo Sports, Jake Fisher. Jake, thanks so much for joining us. How you doing, man? What's up, guys? How are you? Good to be back. A- absolutely. We're glad to have you back. And we were talking before we started, you know, you're growing the beard out, you know. It's been a it's been a fun summer for you. But speaking of the beard, I think that's kind of been the talking point the last <laughs> couple of weeks. James Harden, who knows what's going to happen there? It just seems like things have really soured with Philadelphia. But your latest intel on James Harden. Yeah, the latest I can say is just that, you know, who knows what's going to happen to your point to me right now. That's only really about James Harden's activity. He, we're recording this Thursday, 5 o'clock Eastern time. This is the second straight day that he was not in attendance. I uh, filled out his practice locally. I've been told he's still in Houston. We're back in Houston now, working out on the trainer, staying in shape. But, like, I, we don't know what's going to happen come Thursday night. I'll, I'll be in Milwaukee for the opener. Dame's, you know, real Bucks debut. Obviously, he went out with the Lakers and wore that jersey for the first time. But it'll be real in five serve for him for the first time on Thursday. And will James Harden be playing in that game? Uh, that's kind of the question to me. It's not about if he'll be on the Sixers roster, because by my understanding, the Sixers are kind of at an impasse with what the Clippers are willing to do in order to get Harden at this juncture. There could be more trade conversations between now and then, but I'm kind of moving through my workday and life not expecting that really to happen until Harden actually gets back on the floor. And maybe come December, there's an injury to someone else or, you know, another star gets disgruntled. The Sixers are kind of hoping that time can be on their side to the point where they'll be able to get more than what the Clippers are currently offering. First of all, Alex, fantastic segue going from one beard to the beard. But (laughs) as it relates to James Harden, we're hearing the Clippers, Clippers, Clippers. Similar to Dame, all we heard was really the heat. Is there another team that could potentially come out of nowhere and potentially trade for James Harden, even though it is just an expiring contract? 
Now, I was on the phone with someone from the Clippers yesterday, and he, he asked me that. He said, "Is there is there someone else out there like that? We 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 haven't heard anything. Is there someone else? Right now, no. I mean, that, that's kind of the, what I was saying before. Like the Sixers, they're hoping that could be the case some point in time, but I I, I just don't see it at this juncture. The big difference between the Dame and Lillard sweepstakes and this situation is that Dame has four years left on his contract, and he's considered to be a consummate professional, where." Sure, the, the the years and the length of, of that deal and the money, you could absolutely look at it as like, all right, how how effective is Damian Lillard going to be when he's being paid $60, $70 million at 37, 38 years old? That being said, you get security, you get stability. Right now, James Harden's in the final year of his contract where he's going to want to be paid next year. He hasn't been paid the last two years after he turned down a three-year $160 million extension from Brooklyn before the 21-22 season. So he wants to make up that money. He wants to be in a winning situation. But the only one right now that seems to be open-minded to that is the Clippers. And they couldn't have gotten him on the open market, which is why he opted in and put himself in this predicament. So I, I just don't see another team right now. You know, maybe it's Miami down the line where, yeah. you know, they – don't get Dame. They didn't get Donovan Mitchell. They didn't get Bradley Beal. Kyle Lowry's got $37 million expiring. You know, can they just flip Lowry and a prospect and some picks like for Harden down the line? Like, I'm not saying that's been discussed at all. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but that's the type of scenario. You know, if the Heat are 12th in the East come Christmas, like, are they going to make some type of move? That type of thing, that I think, is what the Sixers are kind of banking on here. Yeah, I think that Miami does make a lot of sense as a second team that could go after James Harden just because they do have that window to win now and they have the contracts to move to make a deal like that happen. But there's been some other players that have been in trade talks and stuff like that this offseason that didn't get moved. And one that I think you reported might have been July, early August, but it was TJ McConnell. There was a three-team deal that had been talked about, I think, with uh, Phoenix and New York, and obviously that didn't happen. But TJ McConnell's name has been brought up a couple different times with trade rumors with the Pacers having so many guys at that position. So what's the latest on TJ McConnell and is it only Phoenix, a team that's been interested? Yeah, I've only ever really heard Phoenix. I thought to say other teams aren't interested in him. I'm sure, you know, just how campaign signed in Milwaukee and uh, the Bulls signed Javon Carter. Like there's definitely value for a sturdy backup point guard in the NBA. But the one team that just has the hots for TJ McConnell apparently is Phoenix. I, I, I know I know that pretty definitively that they've been interested in him for a while now. Obviously, he went to Arizona, so maybe that's part of the connection. But I think also just you look at where the Suns are built, they are hoping that Bradley Beal can kind of function as their point guard or with him and Devin Booker and Kevin Durant all having the ball in their hands a lot that they'll be able to kind of compensate for not having that table setter. But it would be nice to have someone like T.J. McConnell on the bench in moments where you kind of need that or, you know, get through an 82-game slog. Maybe they do end up sliding him in as a starter because their cap is so jammed up with these massive contracts that, you know, you don't have the kind of like those those grids that you see on Twitter where it's like you got 20 bucks to pick from a $5, a $4, a $3. <laughs> well, if you can take an $8 million point guard as your starter and he's you know, is one of the better backups in the league. He's been that pretty much since he entered the NBA. 
you know, maybe that's part of what the Suns thinking is there too. But yeah, I think also, you know, teams look at players who they think other teams might in theory be willing to part with when they go call. You know, you're not just going to, sure, there are teams that do call and say, hey, give us Tyrese Halliburton. But like, I think most teams are trying not to waste other teams' time. So he does seem to be someone that, like, on the surface, you'd think, all right, but well, they've got Tyrese and they've got Mather and, and they've got Andrew Nebhardt and go down the list. Like, he would think is he's someone that should be, in theory, expendable from a trade asset standpoint. But also, he's embedded in that Patriots culture. He's very close with the front office, from my understanding. He is that consummate pro type of guy that, now, the dude just is still feeling, like, lucky and grateful that he's in the NBA. He knows he works hard for it. But I've known TJ over the years just from my book and him coming up during the Sam Hankey process years. He really is just, like, a down-to-earth, normal guy who feels grateful, like I said, to be in the league. And that type of mentality around a rebuild where, I mean, Tyrese is a special player. I'm a huge fan of him. But the guy hasn't won anything, and he just signed two hundred million dollar contract. You know, that's a thing that's part of that I, I've learned in my years of, of looking at rebuilding, in particular, with like a, a pretty close eye. When you start paying guys hundreds of millions of dollars before they win, that can be a little bit of a of a hurdle, I think, from an organizational standpoint, from an incentive structure of like, all right, we all got to pull in the, in the direction now and like back up this money with actual production as opposed to potential. So to have someone like TJ present and all that, I think is really valuable. I think the the connections with the front office off the, off the court as well are are super important. But we'll see how it all unfolds. Yeah, TJ McConnell is someone who stays ready and you know is still getting better at certain things. His three point percentage was a career high last year. His scoring was up. I believe that was a career high. He's a helpful veteran to have, but he's also too good to be a third-string point guard on the Pacers. There's a lot of teams he could help, but we're lucky to have him. But another guy who is being a pro is Buddy Heald. Buddy Heald, someone in the Pacers, they kind of stalled on contract talks. He is an expiring contract, leads the NBA in three-pointers made over the last five years. He's a another player that could help many teams. Do you see the Pacers kind of riding this out? through the end of the season, or is Buddy going to be someone they might be taking uh, plenty of calls on come the deadline or even before? But typically how these situations work, the veteran wants an extension wrapped up before the season starts. The team gives him an offer. He doesn't like it. And the team says, well, that's all we're willing to do right now. And he says, all right, well then try to trade me then. And they go out. And they set a price, and if the price isn't met, which typically for someone like Buddy, you know, it's one first-round pick. You know, I'm not saying that's exactly what it is, but, you know, for Evan Fournier or down the line, like that's typically before Evan Fournier becomes a deal that the that the Knicks uh, felt like they now have to compensate to get off of. Like th- those types of veterans who are still good, who are starting caliber, maybe like sixth-man type on a, on a playoff team that are looking to get paid – you know, Tyreek Evans, I remember, com- comes to mind years ago with Memphis where they they definitely had a couple of options for second-round picks on the table, but they they held on to him throughout the deadline because they didn't want to give him for less than a first. Like, the Patriots also want to win games too. Like, I don't think anyone in Indiana thinks that this is the championship team, but Rick Carlisle never came there to be part of a rebuild to begin with. Tyrese Halliburton's an all-star. Miles Turner's paid. This team before Tyrese, I forget what the injury was off the top of my head that kind of knocked him out midway through the year for a little stretch. But 
know, Patriots fans will definitely remember they were what, like the six seed, the five seed for they a were. while. Six. Mm-hmm. So this team has shown definite capabilities of not just making the playoffs, but like being out of the play-in tournament picture altogether. So Buddy's going to be helpful in that regard. And if worst case scenario, you're still, you know, not exactly where you want to be contending wise, competing wise, and Buddy's doing what he's always doing, playing basically 82 games and shooting basically 40%, there will be some value for him at the trade deadline. So it makes sense to not move him now if that, like, okay, walk away offer price isn't really coming up that you would take right now. Yeah, the best ab- ability is availability, and that is Buddy Heald. So, and, and he fits in really well with this Pacers like style of play as well. So it's kind of one of those things where they probably don't want to necessarily trade him just to trade him. But they got to find the right partner, and they could be in a similar situation, like you said, to a Memphis with Tyreek Evans, or yeah, Tyreek Evans, and decide, okay, we're going to hold on to him because he does bring value to our team, especially if we're trying to win. But another yeah. guy that really has not cracked that rotation, and it's been kind of a interesting dynamic since he's been traded here from Boston, is Daniel Tice. He played seven games last year with the Pacers when he returned from an injury, and then as they kind of started positioning for ping pong balls. They decided, okay, we're going to play the young guys, Jalen Smith, Isaiah Jackson, and he didn't get any minutes. And then in preseason game number three, he was a healthy scratch. It was a coach's decision to not play him. Any intel on Daniel Tice and and maybe what teams are looking forward and maybe trying to go out there and send an offer off for Daniel? His name hasn't come up in anything recently, to be honest. But yeah, definitely last year, like, they wanted to get Isaiah Jackson opportunities and Jalen Smith opportunities too. And there was definitely talk going into last year that like, oh, maybe they'll even start Jalen Smith at the four and have him, Miles Turner, kind of share a front court, which to me is a little bit interesting because you just kind of broke up the Domas, Miles Turner, big, big situation. But that's neither here nor there. I think with Tice, like he played really well at the World Cup. Like the guy showed, I was out there in Manila. Uh, the guy showed that he's very, very capable of performing on big stages. So will that generate some interest later down the line? Maybe. I mean, his contract's not like an overpay, but it's not exactly considered to be like a discount either. So it's it's a it's a movable deal. Like and any anywhere between eight to ten million dollars is like very, very movable right now. I don't know where that will be, but at this point, I, a lot of teams are kind of Focus. That's why it's so hard to trade James Harden right now or to trade Buddy Heald right now to begin with. Like a lot of teams have already made their rosters and they're looking to see things work out for the first 10 to 15 games and then reevaluate. So maybe Tice is one of those guys that when a team realizes, okay, we're a lot thinner at the center spot than we thought we were, he's he's maybe someone that that you know you start calling about and hit up Indiana. Very possible. And you mentioned about teams wanting to see the first 10, 15, 20 games, whatever it may be. Which teams do you feel are under the most pressure to win early before they need to then pivot towards being sellers at the deadline? There's definitely pressure on Philly, but just to mix it up, I'll, I'll say Atlanta. I mean, they go out and they hire Quinn Snyder last year. They give him, what was it, like 10, 15 games or so to kind of get his feet wet, get an understanding of the roster. They finally trade John Collins. Uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich looks really healthy in Manila. You know, you try to incorporate some new bodies like Sadiq Bey, who they really have liked for a long time, and they finally were able to get him at the trade deadline. He's up for a contract extension. Onyeka Kong was up for a contract extension right now. 
He gave DeJounte Murray a big deal last summer. Like, there's a lot of pieces involved after they were trying to trade DeAndre Hunter and they were really looking at Pascal Siakam. So, this is like a, a critical kind of stretch. I mean, they just kind of gave the reins to Landry Fields and Kyle Corver in that front office, and they just hired Quinn Snyder. So, from like a executive standpoint, wouldn't say there's like a pressure or a hot seat by any stretch, but just in terms of like how this team will be building around Trey Young, and if it is around Trey Young, it's not to say like I think that's like Trey's on the chopping block because to me it's about how you're building it around Trey. But like the worst case scenario is is Trey really the guy? If that question comes up. For now, I don't think that's the case. I just think it's about which of those pieces are going to be the ones that Quinn Snyder and that new front office decide are the ones to fit around Trey and optimize Trey. Yeah, I think the Hawks are an interesting team this year. Some people are high on them. Some people are still waiting to to see what that looks like. But I think Quinn Snyder in the fold just makes them a much more interesting team than a, than a Nate McMillan. No offense to former Pacer coach Nate, but I think Snyder's just a little bit more uh, – intellectual in terms of X's and O's and that kind of thing. But I am curious, Pascal Siakam, you brought him up. This is a name that was heavily talked about in the offices and another Pacers were attached to him as well. How serious did it get with Indiana as a potential uh, suitor for Pascal Siakam? And what does his future look like with Toronto? I don't think it ever got like noteworthily, noteworthily serious, if that <laughs> makes sense. I, I just think you know the Pacers were looking at forwards for years. And when an all-NBA or a former all-NBA power forward becomes theoretically available, I think the Pacers wouldn't be doing their jobs without checking in, you know. So we'll see what happens with his extension, too. At this point, I mean, I haven't checked in on that situation in a while, but at this point, uh, I have part of why I haven't checked in on it in a while is because it doesn't seem like an extension will be happening. If I'm wrong, that's because I truly haven't talked about it with anyone in like a couple weeks, so... Maybe that's how it goes, but I think it's just a matter of they're going to have to play this thing out in Toronto. The Raptors have been sitting on whether or not to fully rebuild or, you know, should we trade Odu? Should we trade Pascal? Scotty Barnes is our guy, but we still have these hang- hangover pieces from a title run that was really only four years ago. But four years ago, it feels like a lifetime now. Like they're just kind of been teetering on that edge of what to do for three years, but when you lose when you lose Kyle Lowry for for not too too much and a sign trade back, when you lose Kyle Lowry, or Fred VanVleet, then for literally nothing he just walks in for agency. You know this is really I think you know 15, 20 games, the 10, 15, whatever it is that we talked about earlier. Like the Raptors might be able to make some decisions rather quickly too. So I don't know if Pascal will be there long term because I don't think Toronto does. I don't know if he's going to be one of the biggest names on the trade block come the trade deadline, but he certainly has the potential to be. And he's a name that I'd I'd say rival front offices are like kind of writing down on their lists of hypothetical names that could be available come February. One of those other teams that comes to mind is Chicago. I feel like when Chicago re-upped Vucevic, I felt like it was a, a sign to say, hey, we're going to run it back. We're to give it one last chance. But year after year, we hear Zach Levine could be on the move. You know, they could look to trade him. They also have some other pieces. You know, Alex Caruso could be appealing to many teams in the league. And then you also have the downside of, hey, Lonzo Ball isn't going to play this year. Chicago, do you see them making the move to kind of blow it up? Or are they really going to go down with the ship? 
they're trying to run it back and they're hoping that best case scenario, this is a team that shows some fight and they make the playoffs and then, then Lonzo ball comes back healthy next year and they give it another shot, you know, but I, I, I'm not so bullish to, you know, pun intended. I just, yeah, that was good. I, I'm not, I'm not, I just don't think there's been a ton of winning to come from that combination, and I don't see it really happening. The Zach Levine stuff is – I mean, he is a very, very, very talented player. It's just – it's hard to have it on a consistent, efficient, two-way level. So, yeah, his name was definitely out there because I think the Bulls were trying to move him. I think they were actively trying to move him. I don't think it was like a, they could be looking at it. From my understanding, they were definitely looking at ways to make that happen. Um, you know, they were the, one of the teams involved with Damian Lillard, right? And – his name was one brought up there. And I don't really know how the Bulls would have been able to have gotten there salary-wise without putting in one of him or DeMar. And it seemed like Levine's – I mean, I haven't heard DeMar's name at all. So we'll see what happens there. I mean, one of the teams that was always a Zach Levine suitor was Dallas to have him be paired next to Luka. And that spot is kind of off the board right now with Kyrie Irving. So that was one of – that's how that, that was one of those interesting little – trickle down effects of that Kyrie Irving trade. I don't I don't see a, a, a quite obvious Zach Levine suitor at this juncture, but it's only October. We'll see what happens. Yeah, that is interesting. My last question here for you, Jake, before I before we let you go, I, I am curious. Was there a team out there that was pretty aggressive trying to go out and get somebody, but they ended up not making a move? And could they be aggressive again come, like you said, December, January? Yeah, I'll, I mean, just to give a different look, like the Clippers, if if the James Harden thing doesn't happen, well, the Clippers were in on Drew Holiday. They almost traded for Malcolm Brogdon, whatever it was, before the draft. Um, you know, all the timelines are a little fuzzy. But that they're comfortable going into the season with Russell Westbrook as their starter and with Bones Highland as their backup. Bones is looking stronger on that little wiry frame he's got. And he's got, a, he's got plenty of talent. So... We'll see what he can do, but at the end of the day, they've got a lot of pressure in terms of like trying to open a new arena and needing to have a product that fans will be excited by. At least that's something that a lot of teams are talking about. So I I just wouldn't rule out the Clippers continuing to look for point guards. I, I feel like a lot of the trade deadline is, you know, players are available and teams have holes. Like that's a hole that's just going to be there until it's filled. Yeah. My last question for you is, you know, OKC, we know how valuable draft picks are becoming, especially now with the new CBA, but it feels like they're almost like that kid with the piggy bank. They just keep stacking up those draft picks time after time. They have a nice young core now, but do you ever hear any rumblings of when OKC might finally make that big move? Because they're sitting on over the next seven years. I think it's like 30 draft picks. It's just way too many for any team. Yeah, everyone keeps wondering, like the Thunder are kind of the boogeyman to do that. But, you know, will that just be to do something like Memphis did where you- because you have so many picks, you just trade two picks to get someone like Marcus Smart. Like when you think about it, it's a big haul for Boston to get back, but for a team to just get a player for two of their 11 first round picks, like that seems like a pretty good deal. So mm-hmm. no, I haven't heard anything specific and you know, the thunder will move in silence. That's for sure. So it, it'll be tough 
usually the only stuff you hear about OKC is when they're looking to sell, not when they're looking to buy. So I'll be I'll be eager to find out. Um, but they definitely are kind of you know that boogeyman, like I said, that teams are asking that same question that you did. You're right about OKC moving in silence. The Paul George trade back in 17 I don't came know out of nowhere. And then, of course, when they traded Paul George to the Clippers to get SGA with all the picks, that kind of came out of nowhere, too, as it happened in the middle of the night. So they're they're an interesting team, and they got a lot of assets as well of a lot of good players. But, Jake, we want to thank you for your time. Um, maybe next time we get you on, we'll talk more X's and O's and not so much rumors and stuff. But uh, it's always fun talking with you. And if there's anything you'd like to plug before we let you go, please uh, take the time to do so. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, please subscribe to Ball Don't Lie on any podcast platform that you're listening to this show on. we got a bunch of stuff on deck this season with uh, Benny Goodwill's Good Word with Goodwill. Dan Devine has a new show coming out, Divine Intervention, which is like a basketball nerd self-help thing. I've never heard it yet, but it sounds <laughs> interesting. And then Dan's my co-host on No Cap Room. So those are our three shows. We'll have some other stuff along the way. That's kind of what we got on tap. So appreciate you guys. All right, everybody. There you got it. Jake Fisher joining us from Yahoo Sports. Always good to talk with Jake. Fachi, any big takeaways from what Jake said today? I would just say that there's a couple teams that, you know, really have a lot on the line in, in the first 20 or so games. Jake mentioned the Hawks could be one of those teams. Obviously, they moved on from John Collins, Quinn Snyder. Let's see how that works out. And they're that team that either you're pushing forward or you're looking at maybe trade someone off. They have money that is, you know, needs to be allocated out to some contract extensions. But the Toronto Raptors, that's another team everyone's got their eye on. What is Toronto doing? And I feel like we're not going to know yet, but maybe come January, that could be the team that could be a big seller. And then also Philly. Look, I mean, I wouldn't want to be in that situation. I'll tell you that. I'm going to leave the James Harden problem to them. And just be happy that we don't have any of that going on in Indiana. Yeah, I mean, I think Brian Winhorst said it best today on first take when he was talking about James Harden. It's like he did the same thing he's doing now in Houston and got traded. Did the same thing in Brooklyn, got traded to Philadelphia. Now he's doing it to Philadelphia. Now it's Daryl Morey's problem. So we'll see how that all plays out. We know Daryl Morey is very stingy and doesn't like to bend a lot when he's in trade talks. He kind of comes in as the guy that always wins trades. So that'll be a different dynamic to see how he comes out and a James Harden trade at this point, but I think his value is just getting worse and worse every single day he doesn't report to camp, and as that contract no becomes uh, closer to expiring. So we'll, we'll have to keep an eye on that, but I, I did like Jake bringing up the Clippers as a team that really wants to make a big move, and they need to address the point guard situation. But I, I still think Russell Westbrook is beloved by L.A. Clipper fans because mm -hmm. he had a good stint there last year. We'll see how that goes for an 82-game season compared to like a 25-game stint, but I'm, I'm kind of interested to see how that all plays out, but Nothing too much on the Pacers. I know that Pacer fans don't want to really hear their names, TJ McConnell or Buddy Hield in trade talks. Now, I don't think any Pacer fans losing sleep if Daniel Tice is on the move. But with Buddy and TJ, I think that those are two beloved Pacer guys. And fan favorites are, are hard to trade, especially when they are still having some of an impact, somewhat of an impact on your team. No doubt about it. And I feel like the Pacers should not be in a rush to move either player because they are trying to win. And both those players are vital to winning. So I, I think that they're in a really good spot. They can revisit things closer to the trade deadline, depending on where they're at. But if the Pacers are in the, the playoff picture, I don't think it makes sense to move either player because it would be valuable to be able to play meaningful games in April and May for this team. Yeah, and I, and I would love to see us get to that point, uh, hopefully sooner rather than later, hopefully this year, 
rather than next year. I, I'm just ready to see some Pacers playoff basketball once again, Fachi. But I need one, it. Yes. Wanted to let everybody know if you did not see on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or even on Reddit where I posted and you're just a listener of the podcast, Fan of the Week is returning. Next week, we're going to have two fans on to compete in some Pacers trivia. We've already got about 10 to 12 people that have reached out and said they'd like to be a part. So we are getting some interest. But if you would like to be involved and be a part of it, please find one of those posts. I'm going to pin it on our Instagram and on my Twitter account. So you guys go there and comment below that you would like to be involved in that because we want to get you on the show. Highlight you as a fan. We'll let you talk for a couple of minutes, maybe ask Fachi and I a question. But we're going to put you on the hot seat. And we're going to ask you questions about this Pacers team and give you some Pacers trivia. That'll be fun. But with that being said, Fachi, go ahead and let people know where they can find us at on social media. Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at PacersPod STP. You can find us on Instagram at PacersPod STP. You can find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Facebook, Setting the Pace. You can find us on TikTok, Setting the Pace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. Yeah, go to youtube.com slash setting the pace of Pacers podcast. And once the regular season starts rolling, we are going to have a lot more video content available for you on there. Unfortunately, we have not gotten up as much as we'd like to consistently, but thank you all for hanging in there and subscribing and, and checking out the videos when they've been up there. But with that being said, Fachi, if you're excited to see Andrew Nimhart back in action for his first preseason game against the Cleveland Cavaliers, then hit me with those two words. Let's go Pacers! Going to the top, setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast, sweeping every team. We gon' need a mop. Smooth. Mm-hmm.